Proverbs. I don't know about anyone else, but I always find Proverbs provide really helpful, practical advice. So Proverbs chapter one, uh, verses one to seven. Headed up purpose and theme. Prologue. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For attaining wisdom and discipline. For understanding words of insight. For acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. Doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to the simple. Knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables. The sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. So um, today we are beginning um, a series on, on the Proverbs. And um, I thought we might start with some Proverbs which you won't find in the Bible. Um, but I think we're all very well known. And I looked on the Internet and, uh, and there's a whole site full of Proverbs and they're listed alphabetically. And I thought you might be interested to see some of the ones that come up in just the first page, uh, beginning with A mainly. Let's have a listen. Um, all things come to those who wait. Well, I think um, that's a good proverb, isn't it, for all of us waiting for news about when lockdown will end. That's very wise. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Um, that seems to be very appropriate. Um, at the moment, many of us have got uh, more time to, 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 um, to spare. Uh, many of us, of course, are working very, very hard. Uh, but um, we need a balance in life, work and play. And maybe that's a lesson we can learn from what's happening now. March winds and April showers bring forth May flowers. Well, didn't have much rain in April, um, but uh, very appropriate now. We're seeing beautiful flowers coming out in the spring. And maybe that's a, a harbinger of the good things which uh, will return uh, after all the current crisis. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Let me send you all a virtual hug um, because... Uh, you, you know, we, we're missing our loved ones, aren't we? You know, um, we, we're unable to hug our grandchildren and uh, those of us got them or uh, see our children and uh, we're unable to go out with our neighbours and friends. Um, but let's make the heart grow fonder. Actions speak louder than words. Um, there's been so many good things that have been happening. People being given f food, people having medicine collected and uh, kindness in our communities. It's a very good thing. A friend in need is a friend indeed. So it just seems to me that these um, proverbs, I don't know why the March winds ones came up under A, but uh, all the other ones beginning with A seem to be particularly appropriate uh, for uh, this current time. Um, now, um, introduction to the book of Proverbs. Uh, I thought I could do no, uh, certainly could not do as well. Uh, in fact, um, I looked on the internet and found, well, in the book of Proverbs, which we are going to be looking at um, in our house groups, 
it suggests going on to the YouTube for something called the Bible Project. And here is an eight minute summary of what the book of Proverbs is all about in a far better way than I could ever do it. So we're going to watch um, uh, where I can find it. Oh, I haven't found it. Uh, oh, sorry. I need to just go back. Um, let's get that one this is the one i want okay we will find it in a moment so let's uh let's have a look at proverbs and, and find out what the book of proverbs is all about from the bible project the book of proverbs the word proverb typically refers to a short, clever saying that offers some kind of wisdom, and this book has a lot of those. But they're almost all in the center section of the book, chapters 10 to 29. But there is way more going on in the book of Proverbs, especially at the beginning, chapters 1 through 9, and the conclusion, chapters 30 and 31. The book's been designed with an introduction, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and it first of all links this book to King Solomon. Now remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon had asked God for wisdom to lead Israel well. And so Solomon became known as the wisest man in the ancient world. And we're told in 1 Kings chapter 4 that he wrote thousands of proverbs and poems and collected knowledge about plants and animals. So Solomon was like the fountainhead of Israel's wisdom literature. So while not all the material in this book is written by him personally, he is where Israel's wisdom tradition began. The introduction says that by reading this book, you too can gain wisdom. Now wisdom for most of us means knowledge, but the Hebrew word chokhmah means much more than just mental activity. It refers to action also. So think skill or applied knowledge. This is why back in the book of Exodus chapter 31, it was artists and craftsmen in Israel who were said to have chokhmah. So the purpose of this book is to help you develop a set of practical skills for living well in God's world. And this gets linked with another key idea in the introduction, the fear of the Lord. Now fear here is not about terror. It's about a healthy sense of reverence and awe for God and about my place in the universe. It's a moral mindset that recognizes I am not God and that I don't get to make up my own definitions of good and evil and right and wrong. Rather, I need to humble myself before God and embrace God's definition of right and wrong, even when that's inconvenient for me. Now this introduction leads us into the first main section of the book, chapters 1 through 9, which also doesn't contain short one-liner proverbs. Rather, what we find here are 10 speeches from a father to a son about how the son should listen to wisdom and cultivate the fear of the Lord and live accordingly, which means a life of virtue and integrity and generosity, all of which lead to success and peace. And the father warns his son also about folly and evil and stupid decisions that will breed selfishness and pride, all leading to ruin and shame. And so the son should make the pursuit of wisdom and the fear of the Lord his highest goal in life. And this way of thinking, it forms the moral logic of this entire book. Now these speeches from the father also clue us into what biblical wisdom literature is and how it's different from other parts of the Bible. 
These books explore how to live well in God's world, but wisdom is not the same as law, like what Moses gave Israel at Mount Sinai. And it's not the same as prophecy, divine speech to God's people. Rather, wisdom literature has the accumulated insight of God's people through the generations about how to live in a way that honors God and others. And so, through the book of Proverbs now, these human words about wisdom have been put together as God's word and wisdom to his people. Which connects to the other thing you find in chapters 1 through 9. There are four poems from Lady Wisdom. Here, wisdom has been poetically personified as a woman who calls out to humanity to pay attention and to seek her. Wisdom says that she is woven into the fabric of the universe, and so wherever you see people make wise decisions, they are relying on her. So you see someone being generous or having sexual integrity or upholding justice. They are drawing on wisdom. These Lady Wisdom poems, they're a creative, poetic way of exploring this idea that we live in God's moral universe and that goodness and justice are objective realities that we ignore to our own peril. And so fearing the Lord, living wisely, it's living along the grain of the universe. Now together, these two sets of speeches from the Father and Lady Wisdom, they make a powerful claim about this book, that you're not simply reading good advice, you're reading God's own invitation to learn wisdom from previous generations. And so in the next section of the book, chapters 10 through 29, we find hundreds of ancient proverbs, and they apply wisdom and the fear of the Lord to every life topic you could imagine. Family, work, neighborhood, friendship, sex, marriage, money, anger, forgiveness, alcohol, debt, everything. And these are all filtered through the value system of Proverbs 1 through 9. Now these Proverbs, they're all pretty short. They're easy to memorize. And actually this section of the book is meant to become a reference work that you return to time and time again throughout the years, which raises some important issues in learning how to read these Proverbs. First of all, Proverbs are by nature about probabilities. So you fear the Lord and you make wise, good choices things will likely go well for you. And if you don't fear the Lord, you're foolish, your life will likely not go so well. Now, that is all often true, but not always. Which leads to the next point, that Proverbs are not promises. They're not formulas for success. So, some Proverbs, for example. The fear of the Lord prolongs your life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Or, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. So yes, fearing God, being a moral person, will most likely lead to a better, longer life. And raising your kids in a stable, loving home does set them up well. But there are no guarantees. Lots of things can and often do go wrong in our world. And so lastly, Proverbs by nature focus on the general rule, but not the exceptions, which are many. And the wisdom books actually aren't ignorant of that. The exceptions are what the other wisdom books, Job and Ecclesiastes, are all about. And together, these acknowledge that life is too complex for simple formulas, which is why we need all of the wisdom books together to get the bigger picture. This all leads to the final section of the book, two large collections of poems. First, poems from a man named Agur, who begins by acknowledging his own ignorance and folly and his great need for God's wisdom. 
And then Agur discovers that divine wisdom has been given to him in the scriptures, which teach him how to live well. And so Agur is put before us as like a model reader of the book of Proverbs, somebody who's always open to hearing God's wisdom through the scriptures. The final poems are connected to a man named Lemuel. He's a non-Israelite king. And he passes on the wisdom that was given to him by his mom. It's guidance for being a wise and just leader. And then the final poem is an acrostic or an alphabet poem where each line begins with a new letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the entire poem's about the woman of noble character. It depicts a woman who lives according to the wisdom of Proverbs and stands like a model of someone who takes God's wisdom and then translates it into practical decisions in everyday life, at work or at home, in her family and in her community. So the book opened with words from a father to a son about listening to Lady Wisdom. And so now the book closes by offering the words of a mother to her son about a woman who lives wisely. The book of Proverbs is for every person in every season of life. It's a guide for living wisely and well in God's good world. And that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. Well, I hope you found that good. I, I thought that was a really amazing in eight minutes summary of the meaning of Proverbs. And I thought uh, there's no way I could better that. Um, so we're going to be looking at this book over the next um, six weeks or so. Um, and very often we associate wisdom uh, and the Proverbs with, with Solomon. But as we've just heard, it's not all about Solomon. And I have one question about Solomon, which you may have heard me say before. How is it that a man who, um, who was so wise um, could marry 700 wives and 300 concubines? Um, you know, I have one beautiful wife and that is sufficient <laughs> for me. But Solomon was the only man who could wake up in the morning and look his wife in the eye and say, darling, you are truly one in a thousand. <laughs> So, um, but I mean, Solomon uh, was given wisdom, but he didn't always use it uh, wisely. So let's have a look at what we can learn from it. So if you've got your Bibles open at Proverbs chapter one, let's just briefly have a look at some of these words. I'm going to share uh, a screen with you as we get to this. Um, so we've looked at the uh, English Proverbs. Now, what about the Proverbs in the Bible? Uh, what are they for? Well, um, if we have a look here, it, it gives us in verses 1 to 6 uh, and 7, uh, very clear instruction what these proverbs are for. They are about wisdom. Uh, wisdom is something which, uh, which we all certainly need. Uh, and our leaders uh, and those making decisions in our society definitely need wisdom. It's about discipline. So the Proverbs give us a life which is not just haphazard, uh, but actually we can introduce disciplines of thought and practice which make our lives uh, work better. It's about understanding, but as we'll see later, understanding is not simply about head knowledge and whether you understand complicated uh, problems. It's a much deeper kind of word we'll come back to. Insight, when we're faced with a situation, uh, we, if we have wisdom, we can see into it better and understand what's going on in the situation. Prudence, 
This one always reminds me of um, the Chancellor uh, Gordon Brown when he became Chancellor of the Exchequer and kept talking about his budgets would be prudent. Uh, he used that word a lot. It's about being careful and being wise in the way we use our resources. Proverbs are not just theory, they're about doing what is right and fair so that we might live in a good way in our society. I seem to have missed one here, but discretion. Um, discretion. Uh, when we have to make a decision, uh, we need to use our discretion sometimes, and it particularly applies this to, um, to young people, uh, uh, that young people need wisdom so that they might be, make uh, better decisions. Knowledge. And again, knowledge, this is not about just uh, in getting lots of knowledge in your head. I don't know, um, the older people here may remember when the people who knocked at your door selling things were often the encyclopedia salesmen, um, uh, selling you Encyclopedia Britannica with all this knowledge in it. Um, my parents weren't very well off, so we only had Arthur Mee's uh, uh, Encyclopedia, not Britannica. But they're all a bit irrelevant now because we have uh, the, the internet. Learning. And uh, notice that verse five, it talks about let the wise listen and add to their learning. You see, wisdom is not just for the people who are not wise. People who are wise will want more wisdom. And then finally, uh, discernment, uh, being able to make judgments in difficult situations where maybe there's no obvious answer. We need the power of discernment and for the purpose of guidance. And at the moment, we all need guidance. Which way are we going to go? Uh, as a church, which way are we going to be going in the future as individuals in, in our homes and our businesses? And so I'm going to stop that share just for a moment. Um, that's some of the things that, uh, uh, that, that Proverbs are about. Let's just reflect slightly on the difference between um, wisdom and knowledge. Now when, uh, when Karen and I and Glynis went to, uh, went to Africa, I went to Kenya back in September, it seems a long time ago now, um, you will often find that when we go into a village, um, uh, people will come up to me and offer me a particular kind of handshake and they called me a mazé. Now that means I'm an old man because I've got white hair. And if you see an old person, you offer them respect because in, in the traditional culture, that the old are the wise and the young people always look up to the wise and old people in their society. Now, what's happened in our society is a complete revolution here because uh, very often now uh, the young people are the ones who've got access to the internet and uh, all this technology. They can find out any bit of information. If you want to know it, Google it and you can find out. So we have a culture in which the young people have all the information and sometimes the old people get sidelined. But actually, wisdom is not about having lots of information. Wisdom is how you use that information uh, to make wise and good decisions and so um, the, the whole thing has been reversed and, and very often um, in our society perhaps gone too far the other way if I want help with technology I ask my children but you know somebody has said that having knowledge without wisdom 
is about giving a child a scuba diving kit and dropping him in the pool before he's learned to swim. Uh, wisdom is what we actually need. And so the, the key verse in this passage uh, that we've been looking at is this one. And uh, I can put it back up. Key, the key verse there. Whoops. Oh, dear. Should have gone back one. Suppose back. Uh, back. Back. Oh, there we go. There's the one. Now, this poster, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, you notice uh, the, the uh, text at the bottom says Proverbs 9.10. Well, this verse appears again in chapter 9 and elsewhere. Uh, it's not a unique verse, but it's a really important verse. That Wisdom is not about having university education or studying under the best teachers. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, I remember having a conversation with one of our church members. You may even be listening today about this poster, which has been up outside our church, wondering whether it's the wrong message to give to people, because the fear of the Lord sounds a bit scary. It sounds like, uh, you, you know, um, you might uh, terror. Um, and some of the stories in the Old Testament seem to uh, allude to a God who, who, who is fearsome in his wrath. Um, but that's not the kind of word that it's talking about here. It's, the word is, is more to do with reverence and awe and respect and acknowledgement that in the Lord is all wisdom. And so the fear of the Lord, the beginning of the wisdom, uh, we often associate it with the owl. That's a, uh, a juvenile little owl that was just photographed over the road here next to, next to Manor Farm in Fivehead. Um, we think of owls as being wise, um, but we need to be wise owls by having the fear of the Lord. Um, but, do you know, um, the fear of the Lord is not about knowledge and knowing about God. It's not about head knowledge, but it's about knowing God. It's about knowing his heart and his mind, which give us wisdom. It's about relationship with God, uh, rather than technical knowledge about him. And how do we know God? Well, we know him through Jesus. And when Jesus was talking to the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 42, he said, one greater than Solomon is here. So Solomon was the wisest man that lived, but Jesus is greater and true wisdom uh, is found in him. So I just want to leave us now with uh, a couple of verses uh, as we come to the conclusion of today's initial talk on Proverbs and wisdom. Do you need wisdom? I can see many of you nodding. Um, in James chapter 1, James writes this in James 1.5, if anyone lacks wisdom, he can ask God. So if you need wisdom, that's a pretty good place to go to go and to ask God. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you then with this uh, prayer, and this is a prayer of Paul for the church at Ephesus. So Ephesians chapter 1, here is a wonderful prayer uh, for us all as individuals, for us as a church, uh, for all of us here, wherever we are worshipping and serving God. This is what uh, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. For this reason, Ever since I heard about your faith 
in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. What a wonderful prayer that Jesus, the God, well, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know him better. And may that be the truth that all of us hold on to in this time and, uh, and in the future, whatever we go to.